Sunday of singing and praying together. We started off with singing, hearing his word preached and read, and just loving him and loving each other. Special welcome to any guests today. We're glad that you're with us. We ask if you're a first-time guest, if you would fill out one of our WCC Connect cards. Hopefully, hopefully you were given one of these when you came in the building today. But uh, we'd like to have a record of your visit today. And uh, you can just leave these on the seat at the end of the service. We'll collect those. And we'll just reach out to you this week with just one email with just some more information about our church. But we're glad that you're here. And we hope that you feel welcome at WCC. Please join us for our time of fellowship where we just gather and talk. Uh, I, I see that we had that big time of fellowship before the service. Well, it will even be better at the end of the service. So there will be coffee in the back lobby as well if you would like some. So please stay so we can have the privilege of getting to know you better. Some announcements for today. Our WCC Christmas dinner is scheduled for this Wednesday, December the 7th, from 6 to 8.30 p.m. at the factory at Walton Mill. It's right across Main Street here uh, in that area back there. Uh, Lori Rusick, Marcus's mom, is catering for us again this year. There is a suggested donation of $9 per adult plate. That's ages 11 and up. There's $6 per child plate. That's ages 4 to 10. And kids 3 and under are free. Please do not let the cost keep you or your family from attending. Just come on. We'll have plenty of food. Uh, donations are a suggestion only. Uh, we don't want anyone to stay home and miss this because of the cost. There will be a basket at, at, the, uh, at the dinner on Wednesday where you can drop off your payments. Or if you place them here in our offering box, that's fine as well. But just please make sure it's clearly labeled as to what it's for. Uh, our WCC Christmas Sing, which will feature our praise team and orchestra leading our church and music is scheduled for Sunday evening, December the 18th, 5 o'clock, so make sure that is on your calendar, and we hope to see you here that evening. Our Christmas Eve service is scheduled for Saturday, December 24th at 4 o'clock that afternoon. This should be a very special time for our church, and there's no service uh, planned for Sunday morning on that Christmas day. We just uh, will all be home with our family on that in our last announcement today, the WCC Christmas card drop-off box is now open. It's in the back lobby. If you have um, Christmas cards for folks here at WCC, instead of mailing them, you can just uh, use our drop-off box. So uh, please start checking uh, for the next few weeks if there are cards for you back in the box. We have, we've done that the past several years, and that's been very helpful, people have said. All right, let's look at our order of service now. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out 
Hear the good news, church, from God's word. These are assurance of pardon today is from John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Father, you are great, you are very great, as, as your word says, and you are greatly to be praised. Thank you for the salvation we have through Jesus Christ. In the book of Isaiah, you said through your prophet that the coming Messiah would grow up like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Who would have thought that the manger would have been the place where you planted this tender shoot from Isaiah's vision? And that is our Lord Jesus Christ, the root which broke through the dry ground of the fallen universe. Father, thank you. This is what we celebrate this Advent season. Increase our faith in you this morning as we worship you in spirit and in truth. Targeted in 
case, uh, we have kind of three main things that we want to use uh, begin this year for the Christmas offering. And that is a gift that can be given at any time during December, during the month of December. Uh, and we want to use that to expand the gospel outreach of the church. So we want to begin to make our focus more out. And with that, uh, to have budget assigned to that, we also want to be able to so we currently have kind of a tithe kind of proportion in our budget for, for missions. About 10% of what's given annually is going to missions. We want to increase that uh, as, as uh, God's uh, grace uh, kind of bestows uh, that on the church as, you, as we give and as we're generous. We also want to restore and plan for future corporate worship and corporate ministry. So you guys can look around and say, hey, well, I came here a couple years ago. This place did not look like this. So there's a lot of uh, work and money, right, that goes into making changes to restore a historic hundred-year-old church. And if you'll notice, we even added, back when there was a baptistry, we added a normal staircase. And uh, it, it's beautiful. And it's very different than the, the little hidey hole that we had to use to get to the second floor. So we're grateful for these types of Flowing from your confession 
of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So let's, let's be praying about that as a church family and consider together what that means when it says we're to give thought to this. Uh, don't do it from a sense of guilt or status or any of these things. No one's going to know what you give. Pray about this and give as God would direct your hearts to give. And we know that uh, God is going to multiply our seed and our righteous behavior because of our being obedient to the mission. Thank you for letting me talk.
1, 15 through 17. And do we have a slide up for that? Maybe we do. Let's say that together. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Amen. So let's put that on the refrigerators. Let's begin memorizing that, reminding us of our great God. Our scripture reading today, follow along as I read, is going to be from uh, the Gospel of John, verses 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You may be seated. I love this time of year. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's consider this passage in John and the announcement of the Messiah and the announcement also or the the depicting of John the Baptist and what he would do in, in leading the way for Jesus Christ as we consider in our adoration and praise in Luke chapter 1 of Zechariah's praise, who is the father of John the Baptist. Heavenly Father, thank you for the praise of Zechariah as he walked in obedience in the name, in naming John the Baptizer. Lord, blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, for you have visited and redeemed your people and raised up a head of salvation for us, our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. Lord, grant the knowledge of salvation to your people. Forgive us of all our sins. Give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Put us into the path of peace. Lord, help us to endure difficulty as good soldiers. 
and remain faithful to you, to your word, and to our family in Christ Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would continue to heal our beloved sister Sally, grant her healing mercies, and Lord, please sustain our brother Gary as he cares for her and in his own health trials. Lord, we ask you to bless our new friends, John, Lydia, and their children as they suffer with a bout of illness in their home. Other families that may not be here today that also have this same need, Lord, we we do pray that you you would heal them and you would bless their hearts today. Lord, give us a fullness of joy as we pursue you with all our heart and our minds. Encourage us in this pursuit today. Lord, we do pray that you would bless Pastor Jeff Box and his wife Christy at Walker Baptist Church in Monroe, Georgia. Our near neighbors and co-laborers in the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would bless their ministry. Lord, may you expand their borders. I pray that as these new developments are being built near their church, Lord, that you might give them souls and you might give them an expansion to reach the families that will soon be moving into these places. Lord of hosts, we ask your protection and your powerful might on Ryan and Emily Curry in Liberia. Lord, we do pray for the protection and the blessing of the pastors that they minister to. We pray that you would encourage these African men as they go into difficult places to preach the gospel of truth. I pray, Lord, that you would enrich them in every way possible. And Lord, I pray that we would see a revival on that continent and in the nation of Liberia. Lord, please bless Pastor Daniel as he preaches truth to us today. Please give us the grace to listen and obey what we hear. And as the Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray, so we also pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Blessed Advent WCC. It's uh, beautiful to be here today. We are not in Leviticus today. I'm not doing an Advent sermon from Leviticus. If you're a visitor, uh, usually when I'm up here, I've been in that book. But today, we're not going to be journeying through that book. We're seeking to focus on some attributes during this time of Advent. And today, we're going to be speaking about peace. 
And instead of Leviticus, we're going to be doing Luke. When thinking about the topic of peace, I was a bit overwhelmed because there's a lot you can do with just one word. There's a lot of places you can go. And in my research, I found out that Luke is the gospel writer that emphasizes this attribute far more than any other writer. Um, when it comes to the comparison of the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, John, don't come anywhere near Luke's consistency. Irenaeus and Mark appears twice. In Matthew, it appears, sorry, in Mark it appears once, Matthew twice, and John uses it five times. That's not that often. But when Luke uses it, he uses it 13 times in his gospel and seven more times in the book of Acts. He develops a theology of peace, and I want us to go through the entire gospel, only the sections where peace shows up, and see what Luke has to say about peace. We have our own definitions and understanding about peace. Sometimes it's referred to as a season or period of freedom or civil disputes, a state of security or order. Sometimes it communicates a freedom of oppression that could be personal or a people. Harmony and personal relationships. I think we're desiring that during the holidays. Sometimes it's referred to as an, a pack or an agreement to end hostilities. I know this most as an interjection to ask for silence or calm. Peace! It's also known as a greeting or farewell. And it's something I heard often repeated by the Ninja Turtles when I was growing up. <laughs> Luke has this beautiful theology of peace throughout his gospel. Every time this word shows up, it's either announcing Christ or it's because Christ is administering peace or he is teaching on peace or he's bringing a blessing. Peace is very Christological in this gospel. Peace is not found outside of Christ when Luke takes up the pen. So we're going to be flipping a lot in Luke. If you have your smartphone, try and keep it on that gospel. If you have your Bible, it should be a little bit easier for you, not as much scrolling. But we're going to be all over the place uh, today. I don't know how long this sermon will be. I'll try and go fast. Um, we'll see what happens, okay? Be nervous. Be nervous. <laughs> Luke chapter 1, 76 through 79. I love Luke. He has so many verses in each chapter. This is Zacharias' benediction. He, his tongue has been loosed. He has been obedient, and he has named his son, his son John. And as he gives a benediction, a praise, and a prophecy of God's deliverance and redemption, there's a, a couple of verses on his son but the majority are spent on this Messiah, this Christ, Jesus. He says in 76, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his way, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, 
because of the tender mercies of our God, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In this prophecy of Jesus to come, this priest shares, Yahweh will remember those that are in exile. God will remember those that are in a strange land, those who have been scattered, those that are in darkness, those that are in death. God will remember them. And they will see a great light. These are God's people. And these are God's people waiting on a promise. God's people oftentimes have to wait for deliverance. He doesn't do this so far off. He sends his son. And the Lord will guide his people's feet and they will enter peace they will enter enter shalom with god not only does the priest prophesy go ahead and go to luke chapter 2 verse 10 through 14 angels sing of his peace it's that radical But the angel said to them, these are the shepherds in the field, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. I would underline with those whom he is well pleased. If you read this wrong, you could think that Jesus arrives and now everyone's going to receive peace because he's shown up. And that's not what the angels are singing. Those who the Lord delights in receive this peace. In the sending of Jesus, God extends his blessing and his favor for those who find pleasure in him. You want to find God's best for you? Find Jesus. That's what the angels sing. You want the best in this life now? Find the babe. Wrapped in linen cloth. Find your savior. Find your redeemer. Find the prince of peace. The greatest gift he has given to us is his son. This gift of love and extension of peace between God and his people brings forth praise amongst the heavenly hosts. The announcement is made to these shepherds. Shepherds weren't look on very favorably in Jesus' day. They were a little bit of the outcast, not living in the city. They were the people that talked to animals and, and smelled of animals. They received this message. 
Peace has come, even unto you, animal talkers. And once it is announced, angels have to sing of this good news, of this peace that has come. You are being reconciled. We have, we have witnessed ages upon ages pass. And now the time of true peace, of shalom, of communion with God, of reconciliation with God is now at hand and we rejoice. The eternal son is among God's people. Those of you that God finds pleasure in, rest. Find your Sabbath today. Encourage you to do the same as we think about the babe through all of our decor and through our songs. Think about the peace that we now have through this gift. All right, so now we'll go to our next passage. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2, 29 through 32. And this is, um, Luke is kind of summarizing um, Jesus in his dedication here. Luke is writing to a Greek audience, and because of that, he's kind of cutting some corners in a good way um, to explain when Mary and Joseph were faithful in obeying the law and presenting Jesus, their firstborn son, to the temple. Now, while they bring their son, Jesus, to the temple, there's this lay minister, uh, Simeon, now, he's not actually a priest. He's not really a prophet. He's just someone who faithfully works and serves at the temple, assisting those that are to bring offerings and sacrifice. He, he's that right-hand man that you want. Now, what we learn about him is he's called a bondservant. He's faithful to the Lord. He's committed his life entirely to him to where Luke gives that description of a slave that has affirmed the relationship with his master willingly throughout the remainder of his days. A bondservant was just, wasn't just a slave that you could own and then, and then throw away. A bondservant was one that had a great relationship with you. You trusted them. They knew you. There was an affection between one another. Simeon was told by the Lord that before he was to die, he was to see the Christ. So we find him glorify and praise God as this baby is brought to the temple. Verse 29, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people. He says that now he can be at peace. You can release your bondservant to depart in peace. And I think this, inner, this peace being spoken of here is not him saying, I now have this inner peace inside of myself. But I think it is the bondservant waiting for this promise to be fulfilled waiting for the day in which Israel would be released from its bondage and its war and its exile, that they would leave a land of darkness and of death, and that they would rest in the presence of their Savior. 
So, they, so he finds peace in the salvation promised to them. Luke also throughout his gospel emphasizes Gentiles and outcasts, which is one of the, one of the things I love about this gospel, not being Jewish whatsoever, seeing how Jesus takes compassion on those that are sick, those that are not only male but female, those that are not just rich but poor, not those that are healthy but sick and also possessed by demons. This salvation is included for all, for the morally upright and for those that are depraved. Let's go ahead and turn to now Luke chapter 7. And here we find Jesus grants forgiveness and spiritual salvation. Jesus is invited to dine with Simon, the Pharisee, at his home. And while dining together, a woman of sin anoints Jesus' feet. So very custom in Jesus' day is when, when, a, when a scholar or a scribe or a teacher entered town, someone who had money would invite them over for a meal. And this meal would be very public. It would be at this person's house in some like type of open courtyard you would feed the guest and the host would eat and maybe some of their family. But it would be open for everyone to, to watch. You didn't have iPhones. You didn't have TV. So it was just part of entertainment. You might have your own grub. You might have nothing. But you watch the important people eat and you listen to their conversation. So it might sound weird to you. I think it would be really cool to be publicly invited to spy on people <laughs> that, are, that, that are intelligent and that, that are you know, leaders in different movements and so forth. So it's very common. Everyone's kind of open to this. And when Simon invites Jesus, he shows him no honor. He does not anoint his head. He does not clean his feet. He's not offering anything that is just of regular, decent hospitality. And it's public shame. I'm going to invite this rabbi, this teacher that didn't go to school... And I'm going to feed him, but I'm not going to show him the honor of someone important. And because there's no glass doors or picket fences or barbed wire or ditches, this woman of sin comes weeping and wailing and finds herself at Jesus' feet, cleaning it with her tears and kissing him. This is risque, this is embarrassing, this is something that no one knows what to do in this situation. And Jesus just receives it. Turning toward the woman, Jesus said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven you. 
those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus doesn't answer the Pharisees' question. It's a throwaway question. Who has authority to forgive sins? You're looking at him. You're feeding him. You're shaming and humiliating him. You're not recognizing him. It's the man before you, the carpenter's son. The woman's faith in this section, not her actions, grant her salvation. I want you to hear that, little kiddos, okay? You're going to hear that the actions of this woman were beautiful and were good. They were, okay? We're hoping that you're not in that situation in life. But what she did in honoring Christ was good. It was her faith that saved her. You don't have to join a gang, get a bunch of tattoos, cheat someone, harm anyone. You can be a faithful, obedient child and still have an awesome testimony, okay? Hear that, hear that. Sometimes you think it's really not real unless you have baggage. Her faith saved her. She had been forgiven. And now she can experience individual, personal peace through Christ's pardon. Anyone can receive this peace. Anyone can receive this pardon if they take hold of faith. Not pride, not title, not intelligence, not money, faith. We'll go to uh, Luke chapter 8. We're going a little faster than I was thinking. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 8, 47 through 48. Jesus' peace provides physical salvation. And this might get you a little scared. It does me as I don't have a very charismatic background. Whoa, we're talking about the physical here now. But Jesus' ministry was, was filled with signs and wonders. And his salvation is not just spiritual, but we find it's also physical in the Gospels. So Luke eight forty seven, this speaks about the woman with the issue of blood. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all of the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. We'll stop there. So the background is Jesus is in a crowd, like usual. He's trying to go from one destination to another. I'm trying to keep us focused without a lot of background. While he is going through the crowd, he feels someone touch him in a unique way. This woman who has, has had an issue of blood for years. This makes her ceremonially unclean. I don't know. I, I, I wonder if this prevented her from children. I know that this keeps her from offering at the temple in faithful service to the Lord. I know that in Jesus' day, just like our day, when someone has some type of defect, they think, oh, it's because you did something wrong. So she's fighting with stigma. She seeks to just touch the hem of his garments, of this great prophet, hoping that she would be healed. How humiliating. And if she touches the rabbi, do you know what that, that means for Jesus? He's now unclean. So she hides. She just simply, do you, do you see that desperation? Touch him. 
And Jesus very publicly asks the question, who's rubbing against me? She confesses. Luke continues in the account, and he said to her, Jesus, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I think Luke is telling us that Jesus' kingdom brings a powerful peace that far exceeds the Pax Romana here. You have the great Caesars of Jesus' day declaring peace through war. And they, they bring some, some form of peace in their, in their own way. But Caesar does not bring peace the way in which Jesus does. Caesar can pardon people in his courts. Caesar can move mountains if he wants to and create little paradises. Caesar can't forgive sin salvifically. And, and Caesar does not have the power to remove physical burdens and restore someone's health to peace. And Jesus does. And we continue that ministry. Hear, hear me with reason here. The elders, we pray for our individuals consistently. My, my prayer throughout this week has been for, for John and his wife, as well as for Gary and his wife. Both of these homes dealing with sickness. We love them. We believe God in his power has, power, has the ability to heal and relieve burden. Luke wants us to know that Jesus' peace can even transform one's physical well-being. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 5. Luke 10, 5. And here we find Jesus' peace is received by sons of peace. Throughout his ministry, Jesus has taught his disciples and trained them and, and taught them again and corrected them. And he's going to send out 72 disciples to evangelize and to spread this gospel. As he gives them instructions, he tells them in verse 5, Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Jesus is saying, you will present the gospel. You will tell them a blessing upon God and your home. And if they receive it, stay there tonight. Allow them to feed you and care for you. And tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus is here telling them to repent and make the way straight. But for those that are not peacemakers, for those that do not want to hear the gospel, they do not receive this blessing. The gospel is a message of blessing from a king. And those who are rebellious and reject his message are not brought into his courts. The invitation is very public, but only few are peacemakers and receive. Let's go to Luke 11, 20 through 22. 
We find here Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus' peace protects one from Satan himself. In this context, Jesus has been criticized of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul, by the power of Satan. They, the, the religious elite of Jesus' day are so afraid of him, they don't know how to create an argument anymore. He's so powerful, the, the, the crowds are captivated by him, the signs and wonders he does does not match their theology. So now they're saying silly things like, well, you cast out demons because you're a part of Satan's group here. Jesus says, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed or at peace. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder. Jesus in this is telling us that he provides spiritual warfare and guards the souls of those he loves. That is sweet to remember. And take confidence in that. When the devil wages war against you, remember that you have little strength, but that Christ provides his peace. He is the one mightiest. He is the one of ultimate strength. And the devil himself submits to the will of of God. Do not fear. Your soul, your home is at peace. This didn't seem so overwhelming in my preparation. I feel like it's getting a little heavy. Go ahead and let's go to Luke chapter 12, verse 49. And I have to say, this one was really challenging. You usually try and find a purpose statement or a mission statement when you're doing Bible study, when you're looking at a book. And Jesus declares his mission statement is division in 12, verse 49 through 51. And it goes completely against this whole theme of peace here. So let's go ahead and dive in. Jesus says, I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you no, but rather division. So what's going on there? As Jesus continues in his teaching ministry in the Gospel of Luke, you find that people are becoming entertained and very excited but Luke shows us that the crowd is not very receptive of his message. They, they want to play puzzles, mental puzzles with him, and hypotheticals with him, but they remain unconvinced. And he tells us that in Jesus' kingdom, he will scatter those that are rebellious. This is a king saying, I will protect my kingdom. A faithful Caesar, a faithful king, 
a faithful sovereign, in order to keep his kingdom intact, protects his people, creates a gate, and wages war against those who would seek to harm his throne and his people. That's what a good leader does. A good leader has a bite to him. A good leader knows how to divide and disperse those that would be a threat. He says, my mission is to bring peace to my people, but divide those who do not submit. So my application, my plead for you, is to bow the knee to Jesus, to receive him as a gift, to see him as a blessing of God's extension, very extension of peace that you may dwell with him. And to not wage war against him. And to not hold on to a rebellious heart. And to not enter the path of death and darkness. But life and light. I mentioned this maybe because of my obsessiveness. There's a passage in Luke 14, 32. We're not going to look at that. It doesn't fit within my Advent message. Jesus teaching on a parable. Um, but we're going to go ahead and go over to Luke 19, 37 and 38. Luke 19, 37 and 38. We find that Jesus' peace is sung by his disciples. There's already the application. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which he had, uh, which he had seen shouting, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In this praise, the disciples declare that there is peace in heaven to be found for those that are on earth. As Jesus is coming to a close, close in his ministry... Those who follow this king are finding entrance into paradise. Above, in the glory, they find peace with God in heaven. That's what we all desire. That is what we all desire, to find peace on the other side with God. As a chaplain that is by the bedside of hundreds of people a week, I can tell you, that's what the majority of us want peace and reconciliation on the other side. And his disciples testify, this Lord is the one that provides it. Sentimental feelings and thoughts don't provide it. Beautiful memories of grandma's cooking and fishing don't provide peace on the other side. Is provided through our Lord, through our Savior, a true salvation. Enter that rest and sing of that peace. Then we find, well, in that context, I want to mention the Pharisees and the onlookers begin to rebuke Jesus. They don't tell, don't tell them to sing this. They shouldn't say these things of you. Jesus ignores them. He rebukes them. 
We find in Luke uh, 19, verse 39 through 44, the Prince of Peace weeps for those who reject this peace. So, so it isn't like just, well, you're not going to listen to me. Well, then, eh. Jesus weeps over this. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And they will level you on the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Jesus laments. He weeps. He sobs over those who refuse to see him as king. You reject me, I gladly reject you. You refuse me, I gladly refuse you. In my human nature, that's just me wanting to one-up you. Not this sovereign, not this king. But if you deny him, Jesus says that he will have their eyes closed. They will be taken to exile, to the land of death, and to a land of sorrow. If you want to show it to God, that doesn't happen. No one revisits him a second time after his path of wrath. Let's go ahead and turn to Luke 24. Luke 24, 36 through 39. We find here, the resurrected Christ provides peace, comfort, and assurance for his frightened followers. Jesus has gone to the cross. He has been crucified. He has been buried. They're undone. The invisible kingdom never became visible. The Lord, the Messiah, never grabbed the sword. Herod sat on his throne. But Jesus resurrected. It says in verse 36, while they were telling, uh, this speaks of the background, Jesus meets them on the road to Emmaus. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst and said to them, peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Why do you think? And, and why, do you, uh, why do doubts arise in your heart? And I want to say, Jesus, you know why. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. The peace Jesus offers extends to us, passing through death and lasting into eternity. 
Beloved, some of you may pass longing for that Sabbath, longing for that peace. Not every saint sees a finish line with everything checked off. Most of us don't. We have things that we long for at the other side. Some of us might pass with, with fears and anxieties and wonderings of, of what is next. Imagine the disciples is wondering, what could be next? He had all the answers. He had all the power and authority. He could work miracles. He could cast out demons. Surely he could bind these soldiers. And as they wonder, and as they're confused, and as they're excited, he resurrects from the dead and blesses them with shalom to you, peace to you. In this Advent season, as you press forward, I want to invite you to enter into that peace that comes only through Christ. That you find delight and rest in his presence, promise fulfilled, security offered, and eternal life granted. Let's bow in prayer. True and living God, I thank you so much for peace. Father, I thank you that it surpasses all the fears and anxieties and worries that we have. And I thank you that it is an eternal peace that is tied to eternal hope for those that have faith in what has been accomplished in the cross. In this Advent season, may we glorify and lift up the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Daniel. God bless you, brother. I would... Uh... So it's now the time in our service when we partake of the Lord's Supper, and I'm gonna, I think I'm going to say something after I, I talk about the elements, but just about this peace that, that God offers us through Jesus Christ. This is, uh, this is uh, not just for members of Walton Community Church. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're welcome at this table, and I'm going to talk about how when we come to this table, we do get peace with Christ. It's a means of grace, and I want to encourage us to really lay down our burdens at the foot of the cross when we come to the table. But this is what Paul writes about in this, in this passage in 1 Corinthians 11. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you, his broken body for us. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. His shed blood for us. He says, for, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And something I want to stress, just what Daniel said, is that peace on the other side of death, peace right now with God, only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. This is Colossians 1, 19. It says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Jesus brings peace with God by going to the cross. He received in himself 
the judgment that should have come to us, his people. And we rejoice in that. I also want to encourage us, when we come to the table today, Advent is an interesting time, isn't it? Christmas is an interesting time because it is a time of joy. It is a time of love. It's a time of family. It's a wonderful thing. But also, I have noticed this year after year, this time is also can be a difficult time. It can, also, it can be a difficult time of burdens and stress and strained relationships. And so at this time, I just want to encourage, when we come to the table, I'm going to ask Chris to give us maybe an extra minute than normal. It probably will work out because we have the orchestra. When you come to the table and you get the elements and you go back to your seat, I just want to encourage you to really consciously lay down your burdens at the foot of the cross with Christ. Just take the burdens that you have, whatever they are, and give them over, consciously give them over to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I know you died for me. You took this garbage from me upon yourself. You already paid the price that I can't pay. And I'm just going to ask you to do that when we take the elements, okay? Let's pray together, and then we'll partake. Father, we love you. We praise you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for your broken body and shed blood for us, your people, for those who have not put their faith in you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would work in their hearts even now. But Jesus, we exalt you and praise you. And we're so thankful for uh, your love for us. And thank you for being here. You're here right now. And I do pray, Lord, that for those who are burdened and sad and broken, um, I ask... Holy Spirit, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would meet them in a special way even now as we partake of the elements. And I would ask, Lord, that that you would just speak through my words right now because, because I know peace has a sense of being still and being quiet before you. And so as Daniel's been did that awesome sermon on peace and your peace, God, that, that we have, Jesus, your peace that's available to us, I pray, God, that, that the folks here would hear you speak these words as we think about being quiet and being restful and that, that your people would really hear you speak to them from Psalm 46. So, God, give us ears to hear you actually talking right now. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. And know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Amen.
orchestra. I'm, I'm going to ask. Our orchestra is incredible. I'm going to ask our students, will you guys stand up and be recognized? Come on. Stand up. Thank you. Thank you, students. I am just so thankful for these young people going up there and leading us in worship and music. It just brings joy to my heart. It is awesome. Brother Daniel, thank you for your sermon. Awesome, man. So thankful for you. Uh, let's sing the doxology together. We got it? Let's sing it together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, Amen. Church, receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 You're dismissed.